Hello, everyone. I'm Marcus Robertson with Becker's Healthcare. Thank you for tuning in to the Becker's Healthcare podcast series. Today, I am pleased to be joined by our guests as we discuss the clinical lab of the future. We have Tammy Germini, Executive Director of Health Systems Operations for Quest Diagnostics, which is one of the biggest, if not the biggest, in the lab industry. Tammy, thank you for joining us today. Oh, thank you, Marcus. It's my pleasure. All right, let's go ahead and dive into our conversation then. Um, Tammy, you have a real wealth of experience at multiple different levels in the lab industry. Um, so for our listeners, what's the biggest difference between the average clinical lab five years ago versus today? Wow, so much change occurs in such a short period of time. You know, there's a few things that come to mind. You know, top of the list is always technology advancements just continue to thrust our laboratorians into the future. Automation, artificial intelligence, digital pathology, all of these have made significant impacts to the way laboratorians perform their jobs. We, just like the rest of the country, have been dealing with significant supply chain challenges. I know that's not unique to the laboratory, but has certainly required us to manage differently with very quick solutions and has allowed us to validate our contingency plans, which is kind of comical when you think about it. You know, uh, for us, if a reagent isn't available for us to perform the testing, we can't just simply add a different piece of instrumentation because it can be very time consuming to implement. And so because that's not a quick solution, Plus, it can also be quite costly. We have to look at things like, you know, allocating our reagents, working with our physicians to ensure utilization is appropriate. We even look at sending some of our samples to a partnering hospital or other reference laboratories. Worst case scenario, if we simply don't have availability, we have to look at alternative tests that could bring the same valuable information to the clinicians. It has truly proven to be a time commitment for our laboratory leaders to navigate. And then probably the other thing that, you know, even though we predicted more than five years ago that we were going to start seriously dealing with significant staffing challenges, you know, it came about way quicker than we expected. And so, you know, the shortage of laboratorians across the country is really pushing us to look into efficiencies, utilization, the technology that we balance with growing the unique education system we need in place to continue to produce the next generation of laboratorians. Sounds like uh, flexibility is, is much more important, always probably was, but looking for alternatives today that maybe wouldn't have been seriously considered in years past because of all oh, those things. Absolutely. Being agile is the key to our success. Are we still seeing uh, shortages in those uh, blue cap test tubes? <laughs> We're doing a little bit better on those. <laughs> Thank <Okay>. goodness. <laughs> that's that's good to hear. Yeah, we're hearing about that uh, daily, seems like, uh, in recent yeah. times. Well, kind of in that same vein, how has the nature of the clinical lab's value and its magnitude to healthcare changed over that time, kind of in light of some of those uh, <laughs> private sector, you know, money grabs? Yeah, it's a shame when things like that kind of cast that negative shadow, right? Mm -hmm. So, you know, historically, laboratorians have really been behind the scene. 
you know, think for just a moment when you go to the movies, you rarely think about the people that produce the music or sound used during a specific scene or the outfits chosen to represent that moment in time. If you reflect on movies like Jaws for the music or Dorothy from The Wizard of Oz, these are things that just, you know, resonate with you. The laboratory has provided critical patient information to clinicians for generations that really the clinicians have used to treat each patient while, you know, most people never thought about how or where the information came from. So fast forward to today, we're really in the forefront of patient care, and we're consistently partnering with our healthcare colleagues to ensure better outcomes for our patients. We work closely with our pharmacy colleagues to focus on antibiotic stewardship. We work with our ED colleagues to ensure we're placing our phlebotomist in the right location to quickly assess patient samples. Then we prioritize those samples to ensure the quick response of our results to the clinician who ultimately is going to take care of that patient in the, in, uh, the best fashion. We're working with our infectious disease physicians to ensure we are providing them with accurate, reliable bacterial or viral identification. And we're consulted regularly for our expertise in the laboratory results. So I would certainly say that, you know, we've moved from the shadows and we're right there helping truly affect the trends in healthcare. Yeah, a lot more positive attention on, on clinical labs, uh, as I said, since, you know, since 2020 and before, but especially since 2020. Um, COVID certainly threw us into the thrust. Yes, yes, for sure. Um, Has, has any of that come and affected things on, on your side of the industry, do you think? Well, I definitely see that we're able to, you know, balance the positivity of what we bring to the table, right? I think we all recognize there's the anomalies out there, like what you described, but that's just not the norm. And I think most people realize that. Okay. Well, looking forward, uh, what advancements are you seeing that are kind of still trickling their way down through the industry? Well, you can certainly uh, look back and acknowledge the fact that, you know, artificial intelligence, digital pathology, automation, the way our data flows Um, And and certainly the size of some of our instruments, you know, we're getting a smaller footprint so that all labs can benefit from the high level of technology that's available to us. And and as we move into the future, all of this just continues to grow and expand. You know, I think about digital pathology a lot, right, and the exciting advancements that have happened and, and of course, I'll focus mainly on clinical pathology because anatomic pathology has just really benefited from digital pathology. But, you know, clinical pathology, when you think about microbiology and, and envision, if you will, we look under a microscope at a slide to look for uh, bacteria that's present in a sample we now have the ability to take pictures of that and share that visualization with someone who's across the country and get advisement on if they agree or disagree with, you know, what we're viewing. Hematologies, the the technology available for us to identify white blood cells, it's the same thing, right? So we've got instrumentation that actually 
will process hundreds to thousands of white blood cell visually, do an evaluation and will give us pictures of what those cells look like. And then we have the ability to utilize our technologists to view those digital images. And again, if we need some, you know, further consultation, maybe it's it's a specific type of cell that we need the pathologist to weigh in on, we've got a picture of it. We no longer have to rely on uh, taking a slide over to the pathologist's office and then trying to find that one cell that we saw when we were looking at it. Mm. Yeah, it takes that game of telephone away and yeah, <laughs> removes the hunting. It does. Um, so pretty prominent, I think, in what you were describing where, uh, you know, flow of data seems to be just really improving and smaller instruments, more available technology. You did mention AI, though, as well, which is interesting. Yeah. What are you thinking about the, the, the potential impact of AI on clinical labs in the future? Yeah, so... Uh... That to me is just a wealth of information we're trying, you know, to really leverage and and grow for our business, right? So if you think about AI today and what the lab uses it for, it, it, it has absolutely improved our quality and some of our efficiencies. So as an example, um, our, our some of our instruments are set up to know what our normal pattern of patient sample results typically come across as. And so it learns by the behavior of what it sees. Well, if all of a sudden you start to experience a different trend, and, and I always like to use the example of, uh, of a potassium, you know, typically we'll see, you know, some normal values, then all of a sudden we might get one high, we might get one low, we might get a few more that are normal, and then, you know, that trend continues. If all of a sudden um, we're starting to see 20 samples in a row that are all high, our instrument actually flags that to the technologist and says, something's not right here. You need to look at this closer. And so it prompts us to do some troubleshooting. And, and in which case we can quickly assess a potential issue before it really impacts our patient. So that's just a quick example of, you know, where we are today. And then, you know, moving into the future, there's a wealth of opportunity that, I can't wait for us to tap into, right? I mean, and there's always challenges associated with any new method or technology. And, and certainly AI is not going to be any different. You know, you've got high investment costs, you've got decision makers you need to balance with. And of course, it's a very unique implementation process. So we have to be nimble in addressing these challenges by educating folks on the value of that AI streamlining that implementation and truly integrating into existing workflows and certainly need more research to expand the clinical utility for our future for success. Now, I always have to say that uh, artificial intelligence in the future lab is going to help leverage human knowledge, our wisdom, and even our experience that, you know, uh, is so critical to our success. But it's also important to acknowledge that artificial intelligence is not going to replace laboratorians. 
Instead, it's really going to improve the resources and the efficiencies the laboratorians use to improve patient outcomes. Yeah, we hear uh, these days all the time about the, you know, existing and impending worsening shortages of different kinds of healthcare workers. And it seems like AI, the potential is, uh, you know, at the very least as a workforce multiplier, you know. That's a great way to look at it. You're exactly right. And it helps us with process improvement also. I've seen some studies that are are being conducted right now where they actually use video cameras to track activity. And, you know, when you do a typical process improvement event, part of what you do is you watch how the normal process happens. Well, just imagine how many times we can multiply that knowledge based over multiple shifts, multiple days. I mean, the way workflow happens on a Saturday, Sunday in a hospital laboratory or a reference laboratory is different than the way it is handled Monday through Friday. So I think it's important what we can learn from those types of activities also. Mm -hmm. And, you know, hiring someone to sit and watch that data (laughs) 24-7, that would (laughs) probably be a pretty difficult position to Yes, I I can't say that would be high on my radar to take that position. (laughs) Yeah, yeah, we could let the computers do that one. Absolutely. Um, Well, speaking of the computers, of course, you know, they're a huge part of our clinical labs and staggering amounts of data come through them. I, you know, I'm looking at a 23andMe kit on my desk right now that I still haven't sent, but eventually that'll go to a lab and lots of data be process from it. What are the challenges in transferring all of that data from the lab and just kind of the general infrastructure? (laughs) It's mind-blowing if you really start to think about it. I mean, interfacing all of this data into a usable format is so unique in this field. Uh, I'm not a wizard when it comes to data, and I frequently collaborate with my IT experts in our company I was actually moderating a panel of experts discussing the future of the lab recently, and one of our panelists made the comment that laboratories are quote-unquote data hogs, which so accurately describes the fact that we require a special data infrastructure that makes our future so unique. So we have to ensure that the results we provide from the point of origin on an instrument or manually entered into a lab information system gets to the recipient, either a physician, a nurse, pharmacist, patient, is truly the right result. So we perform multiple types of validation and verification processes to ensure the data is transferring accurately, which is maybe unique for what other companies, maybe not healthcare, but other companies have to deal with. So it's important to acknowledge that there's a special skill set that this level of data usage and translation requires. We've been investing in continuing education that helps laboratorians grow their knowledge base on this topic. And uh, speaking about, you know, helping laboratorians grow their knowledge on this, um, has what 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 does that look like uh, as far as well yeah you, you seem to already have an answer in mind shut up <laughs> well you know I I actually uh, have given this example a couple of times uh, recently because it's just so pertinent I because I've been reflecting back of where I started my career back in the nineties right and and so 
part of my job was I received a chemistry sample from the phlebotomist. I would log into the computer and acknowledge that I received the sample manually. I would have to look at the tube, make sure it was labeled correctly. I would look and make sure it was the right tube. Uh, I would check to make sure it didn't clot unusual or if it was supposed to clot, that it actually clotted. And then I would take it to a centrifuge potentially, press the button, have it do its thing. I would come back 10 minutes later, I would take the sample out. I would walk over to a, the chemistry instrument. I would put the sample on the machine. I would press, I'd have to actually press a go button. And then the sample would, of course, go onto the instrumentation. The results would come out in our uh, LIS system. I would be the one to visually look at the results and make sure that they made sense. And then I would press another button to, to send the results out to the patient. I would also have to take that sample off of the instrument and then I would store it into a refrigerator somewhere, right? Like I would manually go through that process. So today, you know, I received that sample and I put it on uh, our automation line. The automation actually does all of what I just described to you. It takes the sample, it reads the barcode, it acknowledges if it's the right sample, it puts it, it puts it in a centrifuge, spins it down, it takes it out of the centrifuge, it takes it along a track to deliver it to the instrument where it's going to perform. It will automatically get the testing performed and we set up auto verification rules so that if the results fall within certain ranges, the computer actually acknowledges that that's an appropriate result. And I don't even have to look at the results before it goes out to our patient. Now, obviously, if there are some um, odd results, uh, whether they're critical or outside of normal values, then it requires further action. And, and our technologists can utilize their special skills and knowledge to address those. And then that sample goes back on the track and, and we have storage units where it will automatically store it, taking it just a little bit further if the physician sees that result and says, oh, I need to add on a test to that, they can actually enter an order in the computer and our computers can talk to that instrumentation and the instrument will go and find that sample and put it back on the line for us to perform the next level of testing. So it's just mind blow blowing to me how all of this has changed. And this is all because of technology and the way our data flows. Um, one of the other things that has become commonplace in laboratories, uh, we call them frequently command centers. We'll have kind of a central location where all the data from our various instruments will feed into. And then we have our technologists utilizing their skills to be able to work in one central location. So we're not running all over the laboratory, just trying to get the results out. We're being more efficient. It's a really stunning progression that you described. <laughs> it is. Um, as, as our clinical labs continue to move towards more, uh, I guess, looking like the Jetsons, um, what can clinicians and lab professionals start doing now to prepare for, you know, where things are headed? Yeah, we, you know, laboratorians specifically, you know, we have to continue to evolve, right? So it, it's easy to get locked up in not wanting change. And, and that's not unique to laboratorians, right? Like there are certain people who struggle with that, but it's just such a part of our world that the only way for us to be successful is 
to continue to evolve as this rapidly changing technology and new advancements in research and clinical utility of this information we gather on a patient sample. It's just, it's critical. And, you know, we're continuously um, participating in educational efforts and certainly understanding our contribution to healthcare, including precision medicine and value-based care is cornerstone to, you know, part of what the laboratory's contribution um, is. And then when I think about our clinicians, you know, uh, them truly partnering with the laboratory team and, uh, you know, sharing best practices and sharing our knowledge with one another so that we learn how to best care for our patients. It's just, it's, it's proven over time how that is truly the best way to care for our patients. And so, you know, I always like to hit that home with anyone that I'm mentoring through my career when it comes to new laboratorians or even seasoned laboratorians who maybe have been accustomed to, you know, staying behind the shadows or, you know, behind the scenes and and thrusting them out into kind of the public view, not just, you know, to be on a billboard, but more to be a a true participant in the patient's care. Well, Tammy, as much as I'd like to, I don't think my people are going to let me talk to you any longer. Uh, (laughs) So I want to go ahead and thank you for your time and the the really, really interesting discussion today. Thank you very much. It was uh, my pleasure. I I, I feel truly uh, privileged to participate today and, and love partnering with anyone where I can promote laboratory medicine as a career and profession. Absolutely. Uh, Becker's Healthcare's lab channel uh, up and running strong. You can tune into more Becker's Healthcare podcasts by visiting our podcast page. We also want to thank our podcast sponsor, Quest Diagnostics. Uh, Look for more at beckershospitalreview.com slash podcasts.